You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello, and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here, along with cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Husker CuzCast, for all podcast updates and more. It's our Minnesota preview week. Uh, but first, we got to talk about the Michigan game on Saturday. Uh, Huskers fell in a tight one, 32-29. to 29. Uh, This is a game that, sadly, got uh, kind of ruined by the officiating here. It, it was a great game, but before we talk about the officiating, Tyler, what were your overall thoughts on the uh, Nebraska-Michigan game? Yeah, I, mean, I think um, I had said going into this game that I thought this was the toughest game Nebraska had left. And, you know, I, I think we went toe-to-toe with a top-10 team in the country, a um, lot of ways outplayed them and ultimately just didn't come up with another win. Um, it, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Derek, what were your thoughts? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to go a little cheesy here. And I, I just want to say how proud I am to be a Husker and how proud I am of these kids because that was a hard fought game. Like, dude, these guys played their asses off. And I was friggin' impressed with about everybody that played from special teams to even the offensive line, to especially Bryce Benhart, who came out with no expect- expectations to play, having to come in, and he screwed up on his first play, and then I believe he was the highest-graded offensive lineman the rest of the day. Uh, dude, I was proud of this team. I, I was proud to call myself a Oscar on Saturday. It sucks that we lost, yeah. and it hurt. It, it hurt like it used to hurt, and I get you know, there for a while it stopped hurting after we left after some of these losses, but this one hurt like it used to hurt. Are you uh, taking this as a moral victory then, Derek? I, no, I think we're past moral victories. It's time to start winning, but it's just – but how can you not be proud of them? I mean, how can you not look at that game and see improvement? Yeah, it was a fun game. They were, they were in it the whole way. I mean, it looked like they were going to pull it out. Uh, but sadly, you know, the, a great game was ruined by the officiating. And I tell you what, this officiating was so freaking poor. You know, it was almost as if us three and some other cousins were tasked with uh, officiating a football game. That is what that would look like uh, out there with all the that, missed calls and wrong that, calls. I, I have to tell you, that's bullshit because I like to think that my cousins are smart enough to know the rules of football. And these officials did not know the rules of football. <laughs> I guess so. But I mean, it was bad. Uh Tyler, what were your, some of your takeaways from the officiating? So I, I want to be clear about this. Nebraska did things wrong, and we'll talk about some of the th- mistakes we made. And yes, Michigan did have some calls go against them. But sitting here three days after this game, you cannot convince me that the refs did not cost Nebraska this game. Like the the calls that they missed and the impact that it had on this game was just tremendous, and you you and I and I'll start with just kind of hitting a couple of them. But the end of the first half when Michigan had their touchdown, the one touchdown in the first half, that pass interference they called on JoJo Doman may be in the conversation for the singular worst call I've ever seen in a football game. Then they miss a delay of game in which Michigan scores a touchdown. And then ultimately the play at the end of the game, that the one that sealed it, the Adrian Martinez fumble. I, I, I can understand people feel like it, his legs are moving. 
there was no forward progress being made. There was no forward progress. If he would have broken that and taken it to the house, Michigan fans would have been complaining. Harbaugh would have been cussing. How did they not blow him dead? They completely stopped the play. Like, it was... His forward progress was stopped at that point. And, yes, he should have held the ball, but that play gets called dead 9 out of 10 times. And you know how I know that? Because I saw them call that play dead... The very next play, Michigan had the ball, and we barely touched the guy. They blew the whistle dead. Like, it, it just is tremendous to me, these calls. Derek, your thoughts? Uh, well, I, I want to go a little bit different direction not talk about the calls. I want to talk about the the, uh, the the missed calls, really, I guess. Uh, I, I want to talk about all the reviews we had. I believe it was in the, it was in the second or third quarter where Michigan had, like, three plays – overturned by bad calls and then nebraska had two or three overturned on the on their on the ensuing drive after uh and it wasn't like uh you know michigan had to call a timeout and get one play reviewed on a on a play that they were off by two three yards bare minimum and then the guy the guy clearly had a first down which Let's talk about that play a little bit longer. There was two holding penalties on that play that probably should have been called and didn't get called, but whatever. And then let's talk about the touchdown for Michigan that got overturned because the quarterback's knee was down. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't catch it live. I don't think any of us did. But the fact that every scoring play was is is reviewed before they they go to the kickoff or uh, the extra point, and Scott Frost had to stop him and go, look, hey, his knee was down. And that, that's what it took for them to even look at it. Like, that was supposed to be reviewed, and any review should have been able to catch that and know that it was close yeah. and needed to be reviewed. Uh, you know, there was just it, – it was bad officiating from upstairs. It was bad officiating on the field. I, I, I'm at a loss for words, and I'm going to tell you right now, if these officials – are in another Nebraska game, I'm going to scream. Because it's just, it's, <laughs> I, I believe we talked about this the other night, but I think it was the same officials from the Oklahoma game. Yeah, I think so. And so, and, and we complained about the officiating in that game. Uh, something needs to happen in NCAA. We're all sitting here talking about paying players and all the other absurd things that we're talking about. What we should be talking about is fixing the damn calls from the, these referees. Because this isn't just Nebraska's game that this is happening in. This is happening all across college football right now. And it needs to be fixed, and it needs to be fixed immediately. Well, I hope these refs aren't doing the Minnesota game here this week. God, that would let's, suck. Uh, let's hope not. Yeah, I mean, Tyler, you know, you talked about the uh, touchdown with uh, for, for Michigan with the delay of the game. But, you know, I guess that's kind of canceled out by Nebraska's uh, touchdown with Austin Allen. You know, we were in a legal formation. And even Austin Allen, he admitted to it in uh, his presser. Don't don't call about canceling out. There is no joint possession on these penalties offsetting. Joint possession is not a thing. So would you have been pissed off as much if they would have just flat out said, hey, uh, Michigan ball? No. No. At least you made a decision. Yes. So, So it's all about what they called, right? Well, it, 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 and, and, and I probably still would have been pissed. I probably still would have been pissed because I, you look at the replay, it looked like Nebraska got it. Michigan players like would not get off. You could have almost penalized Michigan for delay of game they, for not getting off the huddle 
and those players refused to, and they eventually scrapped it. I mean, it just very Michigan never indicated that they had that ball. Like they never were like, yeah, no, we got it, we got it. Nebraska right away thought we had it. That ball got semi stripped in the huddle, which I get that that happens, but the refs had no control of that and just let Michigan have all day to get that ball. The problem with it was they were too busy pushing Nebraska players back from the huddle than trying to rather than trying to pile, break the guys. Huddle up. Pile, not huddle. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. They were trying to break. They, they were. You watch it. There was two referees pushing about four Husker players back away from the pile instead of trying to break the pile up. That's not how it's supposed to work. You break the pile up. Yeah. Uh, it it did to me kind of look like Nebraska, but it was really hard to tell who recovered it. Uh. But, man, joint possession is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And it costs – to me, that play, that play right there single-handedly cost Nebraska the game more than anything else. Because if, you, if we have the ball at the 10-yard line, I don't think Michigan was stopping us again. Yeah. Because they were having trouble stopping us that whole second half anyway. And you give us the ball that close, I think we're, I think we're scoring again. And instead, what happens? Michigan drives down the field and scores. Well, we need to talk about the game, but there's one more call that we need to talk about that left everybody watching football scratching their heads, and that was the disconcerting signals call uh, on Luke Reimer. Uh, <laughs> that was can, uh, pretty insane, wasn't it? Can, can I clarify this for any non-Nebraska fan that's listening to this and say, wait, Nebraska fan, didn't you bitch about this, like, when Iowa did that to you? Well, first of all, d- describe what disconcerting signals is, because I don't think anybody else would know. So just set it up there, Tyler. So so, so what the call, I, I, I guess they were saying, I, I, I guess I don't even entirely know for sure. I don't know if they specified what that call meant. But what we have interpreted it to be in, did. is, did they say delay of game on the yeah. defense? Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they, called de- they called delay of game on the defense. Then they said disc- for disconcerting calls. Signals. But if you listen... Afterwards, they said that number 28 was clapping. Yes. So basically what it is 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 trying to draw the offense offside by interfering with the the huddles and the snap cows and the cadences. Which which is a legit penalty. 100%. None of us are arguing with that. It's not not called often, but I've heard it called more than once. to, to, To mimic a cadence from a quarterback is a delay game on the defense. 100%. And that should be called. However, typically when you see this, what you see is by a defensive lineman or a linebacker blitzing or something like that that draws them off sides. What you don't typically see it is a linebacker four yards off the line of scrimmage clapping at one of his teammates to try to get his attention and try to get him to look. That's not typically how you see that play ever called. And that's the problem. And the thing that's weird about that is if that was so bad, you'd think they would have called it again. Because you know what Luke Reimers did? Very he next clapped play. the very next play. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it was, I mean, it it was just absurd to me that that, that play got called. Because, again, to Derek's point, that, that is a rare, it, it is a rare call. That stadium, well, Scott Frost, he damn sure would have come unglued if uh, they would have called it again on the very next play. Scott Frost already was not happy with <laughs> that call and a bunch of other calls. During that game. And, and, and the thing that pisses me off about the, the refs, and my last note on this, is PJ Fleck, I know we're going to talk about you in a little bit. You you have officially been relieved of duty. You are not the most punchable coach in the Big Ten anymore. That honor goes to Jim Harbaugh. 
from those stupid khaki pants to those stupid glasses to him bitching about the refs at the end of the game instead of thanking them and just signing the check that you wrote them for all these stupid calls. Oh, my God. You're bitching about it. Yeah, they, they got screwed on calls, too. They got screwed I, on a not, lot of calls. I mean, the, the, the refs Frost were just didn't bitch about around. Frost didn't bitch about ref, the refs after the game as much as Harbaugh did. Well, he didn't want to get fined. He said he wasn't going to talk about it. He was asked about it. He says, he I'm was. not going to talk about that. But, but, but here's the thing. like You talk about Frost being pissed about these calls and yelling at the refs, but Jim Harbaugh was just as guilty yeah. of it. That, that's he had, he it was had the refs over there chewing their ears game. off, too. It, it was bad. They, and it was bad on both sides. Like Again, I, I said that to begin with. I do think the call of the game was the, was the joint possession, because I do think that changed everything in that game. Well, then, Tyler, why is he paying the refs if, if he's getting screwed? I'd ask for my money back. Because <laughs> he but didn't yeah, get screwed as much. He didn't you, had to make it, you had to make it look fair. Come yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, this was, this, was, uh, this was just one of the things where, you know, and, I, I guess and, you want to talk the play that everybody wants to lean down on is that fumble, you know, but God dang it. You got to hang on to the ball. Whether you're, well, whether we, we need to get into this what? offense. We let's get into this offense. All right. Let's talk. All right. Tanner, because you I, because, Derek, you talk uh, about the offense first. Well, I, I'm going to go ahead. Cause you know, I, I've heard a lot, a lot of people complain about Adrian Martinez in that fumble. And while it's fair, I, I get it. And it's not the first time he's done it. And it's not the first time he's cost us a game with a fumble. It's not. Uh, man, that kid played his ass off. He played his heart out. Uh, and, I, and I get the one bad play was the worst timing of anything possible or anything imaginable. And, and he even admits that he thought the play was over and he should have held on to the ball better. Like, you want to talk about a dumb thing to say <laughs> in your, in your uh, talking to the media, but. Uh, man, that kid, he, he was 11 for 12 in that second half with three three passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. That, the kid was magical in that second half. Magical until that one play. And everybody wants to shit on him for the one play. Like I, and I get it, but let's not, let's not look past everything he did that was well. But the player of the game for offense had to have been Ramirez Johnson. Like, that kid played phenomenal. And, I, and I'm going to go back to the offensive line. Dude, we only gave up one sack for two yards and four, four tackles for loss. Like, that offensive line was probably the best game they've had maybe outside of Northwestern. And this was against a damn good defensive front. Yeah. Tyler? Well, man, I don't know if I have a whole lot to add there. I mean, I, I think – Everything you said about Adrian is true. Adrian, yeah, he made some mistakes, and, you know, I, that is it. It, But I, for these fans out there that just want to continue to bash him, like, I don't know what other football you are watching that makes you think that you would re- trade Adrian Martinez for another quarterback. Because have you watched some any quarterbacks virtually in the Big Ten outside of maybe C.J. Stroud? Like, Adrian Martinez is clearly one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. But but to me, the game ball in offense goes to this offensive line. It, I was really concerned. We, we, we have been bashing on this offensive line. This has been a sore subject for so many of these recaps we've done. And I don't want to say they played a flawless game, but 
you know, they, they, they allowed the holes to get there. And Ramir Johnson, yeah, he wasn't getting to the second level a lot, but he was getting to that, uh, he was getting past that line of scrimmage. And Adrian relatively didn't get touched. And, you know, unless he was running the ball, only one sack the whole game. I mean, he played really, really well. And that offensive line was a really big part of how that happened. Well, and, and the other thing about it is, it's not like Adrian was running for his life. Not like he was against Oklahoma. Not like he was at Michigan State. Like, I'm not saying he didn't stop to scramble some. He did. But it wasn't like that. It, it, it was a little more deciding to scramble than it was, oh, shit, I got to go. All right. Uh, I got questions here uh, that have to do with the very first drive of the game for Nebraska and the very last drive. We'll start with the first drive first. The decision not to kick a field goal after the long drive. Derek, was that a good decision? Ah, man, that's that's a hindsight 2020 question. I mean, hindsight 2020, yeah, you probably should have kicked the field goal. I liked the aggressiveness. I think in the moment I thought, yeah, you probably should have kicked the field goal. But you went for it on fourth and six a little while or a little ways back and made it. I, I I, I, I didn't hate the call. And here's what here's my argument I'm going to make to, to everybody that says, oh, they should have just kicked the field goal. If that three, if we get that three points, then all of a sudden we're up, uh, I believe it's 13 to seven, they get, a, they get their touchdown. They're not going for a two-point conversion there. So now, now all of a sudden they kick the extra point. The, the score is completely different if you kick that field goal. And I don't know how much it changes. Like, I don't know that all of a sudden – it's a tie game at the end of the game, like everyone thinks it should have been if we kicked that field goal. Tyler, what were your thoughts on it? Well, I agree with you, Derek. Not only do I not think they go for two, I, I think that they probably kick an extra point, and I think we don't go for two. So, I mean, and we end up getting our two-point conversion. So um, what do I think about the call? I think that it's an interesting thought, right? Because you went into this game, and if you're like Derek or even Justin and I, um, you thought points were going to be at a premium. And so the the question is, is thinking that, hey, we all thought this was going to be a game where no one was going to hit 30. We all thought this was going to be a relatively low-scoring game. The Undeber is going to hit. When you're on the two-yard line, three-yard line, whatever it was we were actually at, because I think it was fourth and two, but it wasn't fourth and goal, um, is is it better to try to go for a touchdown knowing that you probably aren't going to have that many opportunities within three yards, or do you take the field goal? And I have looked at the advanced analytics of what like what the math says you should do in that situation. And it's essentially a 50-50 call. Like the odds of getting it and the points you get for getting it offset the odds of the field goal. So it it there is no like it is it is about a 50-50 call. The old school mentality is if you're inside the 10 yard line, unless it's fourth and one, you kick the field goal. And so it's like is one. I mean, there's just it's so close. It's it's a very close call. Um, yeah, I think this is a hindsight situation, like Derek said. I, I just want to add one thing to that. Like the dumbest take of this whole thing to me was the narrative that Nebraska should have kicked the field goal because Michigan hasn't trailed the whole year. What the hell does it matter on the first drive if you kick a field goal and they're trailing? But but what does change, Derek, is if you score a touchdown. And then you all of a sudden get another touchdown. Then you get up fourteen because that is a difference. And and, and again, I know I, I think that's I what get, Frost is it. thinking. I get it, and I, I don't know. I'm not saying either way is wrong. I'm not saying that that what you're saying is wrong. But to kick a field goal just to take a lead to get them because they haven't trailed 
is the dumbest take I've heard all year. Like, really? You're only, you're only going to kick a field goal just to take the lead for one drive? I am in the camp that I think I wanted them to kick the field goal. When they were going to go for it, I did not like the call at the time. I was like, oh, my God, this, this is going to be a game. And, you know, shoot, none of us thought that there would be, you know, 60 points scored total in this game. Uh, we all thought it was going to be lower scoring. And I was like, why would you leave points off the board? If you can get a guaranteed three, and maybe they don't trust Connor Culp, you know, at that angle that they would have had for the field goal, maybe they didn't trust him for it. So that that's maybe that's a possibility. But I, I, I did not like the call. And I don't know if it would have bit us in the ass later or not. I, I don't care. But I think in that moment... I didn't like the aggressiveness. I thought you need to take points. If you can go up on a, a, a top 10 team, whether it's three or seven, man, you just got to go up. Get, you're already at home. That's going to fire up the crowd anyway. Any which way that you put up points, that's going to fire up the crowd. Well, I, I tend to agree with you on that, the one thing I will say is if our kicker had been a little more consistent so far throughout this year, I would I would agree with you a thousand percent, but the fact that he's missed extra points and he's missed field goals and he's he just hasn't been consistent. And if that's if that was the uh, thought process behind it, then then I'm okay with it. And I I, I assume that's what the, the thought process was on it. I don't know. Obviously, I'm not in Scott Frost's head, but that was a thought that went through my head too. I was like, man. I really don't want to see him shank this friggin' 19-yard field goal. So let's flip it to the uh, very last drive real quick. Uh, we did get the ball, you know, 90 seconds or so to go in the game. Uh, we had our chance to, uh, you know, Adrian Martinez had yet another shot to for a game-winning drive. And it looked, looked good. We come out with a good first down to put us at midfield. And then... We go four plays, and we're turning it over on downs. Tyler, what did you think about the play calls and the execution there on those final four? I think that I really the, – on third down, we called the screen pass. Um, and, and I think it was third down. Um, it was a, a screen pass. And I think that was a really good play call. I think the screen had been burning them all game. And I think we were one block away from blasting that. Um Fast forward to fourth down, where basically you had Adrian Martinez, and the decision was made to just chuck it up in the air and see if Tory could come down with it. And again, I, I think ultimately both of those plays weren't executed well. Um, they they didn't work. I don't hate the play calling. I think the play calling was fine on both accords, even on fourth down. I think that you have a tall wide receiver and you go for a jump ball that, I mean, there wasn't a lot of time left. I mean, for us with no timeouts left to just go for a, you know, 10 yard pass, we would have been pushing it downfield to try to get a field goal. Anyways, I think you need the chunk play and I think a one-on-one coverage. Yeah. I, I think that that's, that's not a bad play call. It's a low percentage play, uh, but okay. Derek, what, what's your take on, uh, on that final drive? Uh, well, first off, it was actually five plays and out because he made a great throw on the very first. Yeah, I, I said that. We got a first down and then okay. up to midfield. Okay. I, I, guess I, I guess I missed, missed that. Uh, I, Tyler, you're right. If Newley makes that one block on third down, 
it's an easy first down because he was the only guy to make the tackle. The guy that made the tackle was the only one around. There wasn't really anybody else around. Uh, New Elite needed to make that uh, block. Uh, the last play of the game, I'm torn on it. Like, you try, you get the ball to your best receiver. Absolutely. I, I have no problem with that. Uh, it wasn't a high percentage play. My, my biggest problem was, where was our playmakers at? Because I think, if you look at I think uh, Lever and Falk were on the field instead of Omar Manning and Xavier Betts. And then, and then obviously, uh, uh, Samori Tori was out there, but I think you needed to have all your playmakers out there and give yourself a little more of a chance. So I, my understanding was, so um, that was addressed today by the media, and Xavier Betts got banged up in the game, so that's why he did not play very much. Um, was his pr- was his pride hurt from being not being able to catch a pitch? That that may have been it, but the, that and then Omar Manning. Um, basically the, the, the decision, he said that he just kind of got out cause other guys were making plays. It wasn't intentional or not. Um, I, I mean, I think Levi Falk had his best game of the season. I think he played really he well. Did. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would have liked to have rather had Oliver Martin out there for sure. Um, or, you know, Omar Manning, but, um, but yeah. The final play of the game, you know, that play, uh, if they would have ran that like on first down or second down, zero issues with it. But the fact that all you need, you need a first to keep that drive alive and you go to that play. I thought that was, I I don't think that was a great decision. Here's the other thing. Like, okay, so your, your wheel route worked all day long. And I don't know how they worked because Adrian Martinez threw it like 50 yards in the air. And it was perfectly timed. It fell in the receiver's hands. And that play worked three times. Why? Is, maybe that's a play you should be running on fourth and ten. Yeah. It was It was bad. It wasn't good. Uh, all right. Let's uh, move to the defense here. Uh, defense played pretty decent. Derek, what did you think of the defense? Man, I, as far as like everybody's wanting to place blame – everywhere I, defense had a little bit to blame on this too like i maybe they were wore out but god you couldn't just come up with one more stop here or there like we, we allowed well, that that blake corm run holy shit there was nobody there to tackle him he's pretty good he is but we had done a pretty decent job uh of stopping and running backs all year and I mean, we had two running backs just tear us up in this game a little bit. Uh, the Hassan Haskins, man, that that leaping run that he had where he just jumped over uh, Markel Dismuke. What a, oh, my what God. A gr- what a great run. But Dismuke, you missed. Like, he knew you were going low. It, it was very clear you were going low. And he jumped right over the top. He's like a gazelle, man. He just launched over him. But, hell, he had 123 yards. That's the first time we've given up 100 yards to a running back. But Blake Corum had 89 right behind him, so we almost gave up two running backs with 100 yards when we haven't done it all year. And we faced way better running backs than Kenneth Walker. Yeah. And so I I was a little disappointed that we couldn't stop the run a little bit better. Uh, 
man, I, I, they played a good game. It, I think they got wore out because I think there was a point where th- this was the game I think everybody expected to see out of Scott Frost. The offense started scoring really fast. And the defense, I think, kind of got wore out in the second half. And Scott Frost alluded to that in, in his postgame presser, too. Uh, so, so maybe that is the case. Maybe they started getting wore out. But as much depth as we have on that defense, you wouldn't have thought they'd have got wore out. Yeah. Uh, Michigan ran, what, 81 plays in this game? Is that what the number was? And held, held the ball for th- almost 35 minutes. Yeah. So Tyler, what did you think of the defense? Yeah, I think this um, this game goes more on the defense's shoulders than the offense. I think that this was the worst defensive performance of the season. Um, and it wasn't a bad performance. So I think that I want to preference that. It wasn't a bad performance, but it was probably the worst. Um, you know, generally speaking, I think we did a fairly good job against the running game. Like, again, Derek, you talked about we've played better running backs, and I agree with you. I don't know if we've played a better offensive line than Michigan's. And and granted, and Michigan has good running backs too. And we gave up almost five yards of carry. And I know a lot of people are out there will say, well, that really happened on four runs. Yeah, but those four big runs scorched us. And, but the thing about this defense that was probably the most disappointing is you got Cade to go back and throw 38 times. And you had one sack and one interception, and you gave up 255 yards. Overall, I think they did a decent job against him, but he is not a good quarterback. And Michigan was without their two best wide receivers. With 38 dropbacks, you should have had more impact plays, whether it be interceptions and uh, or sacks or things that he should not have got 255 yards. I think that was probably the most disappointing thing is the fact that they got so much success in their passing game. And I would have expected us to have a little bit more of an impact with how well our defense had been playing. All right. Go, Derek. Well, okay. I'll, I want to talk about – you talk about the interception that probably should have got called back for offsides. And remember, there was a second interception that did get called back for an offsides on Damian Daniels. Uh so, so I mean, you talk about he, he's not that great of a quarterback, but remember, this kid had never thrown an interception in his career. 172 passes, I think, is what he finally got to before he finally threw that interception. That's that's not a bad quarterback, Tyler. Uh, he makes good decisions. He, he don't put the ball in harm's way. He, he He's not a bad quarterback. Give, give the kid a little bit of props. That's kind of where uh, I was coming from, too, Derek. I was like... <laughs> You saw what he could do, and you still think he's a bad quarterback, Tyler? I mean, and, and, and second off, I want to talk about that sack. Remember, this is a quarterback that hasn't been sacked all year. And it's not like they haven't played good defenses because they just played Wisconsin last week, who's a great defense. And, and for Ty Robinson to have gotten to him and throw him down, and I was scared shitless on that sack too because I thought for sure they were going to get him with a horse-collar tackle. <laughs> but... He was on the nameplate, so he was safe. It wasn't a missed call on that particular play, but but I was expecting it to get called. I, I guess where I'm at on this is if you told me going into this game that, hey, you know what? You're going to give up 459 yards total offense, which is the most yards this Nebraska team has given up all season. I would have said we have no shot to win this game. 
I mean, this was Michigan has a decent offense. I don't want to say that they don't. I'm not saying this is a bad defensive effort. I think this is a the fact that I'm saying this is our worst defensive effort of the season kind of shows how far this defense has come. But when you see what they did against Northwestern, you see what they did against Michigan State. Like they had put the bar that they should not have given up 459 yards total offense to a Michigan team. And certainly they should not, in my, I guess, the rushing I kind of understand because how dominant Michigan has been at running the ball. But, I mean, we gave up more rushing yards than Rutgers did. I mean, we uh, gave up more passing yards. That was the most passing yards that he has had all season. So, I, I, I get it. Like, I'm not saying it was a bad defensive effort, but when you start saying, well, that was their best passing game of the season, like, there is something to be said about... <laughs> Like, well, of course it was. Of course it was our best passing game of the season. They haven't thrown thirty eight times for two games. Fair, fair enough. They've never been challenged like they were on Saturday. We challenged the shit out I, of them. I, we didn't had add. a lead on them. They had to throw. I mean, we put them in spots to where they needed to throw because for a while there we were stopping their run. I mean, we we forced them to throw. Uh, shit, you know what? Actually, did they come up the very first play of the game? They came out and throwing on the very first play of the game, right? Yeah. So, you know, they were trying to throw another wrinkle in there that Scott Frost hasn't seen before or something. Uh, but I thought Cade McNamara, I mean, I walked away as like, okay, he's a better quarterback than what people were going to give him credit for. Because before it was like, well, he, he can't throw because they don't throw. And uh, they haven't needed to throw, but he is perfectly fine. I mean, he can... He can throw. He he exceeded my expectations. He's a good quarterback. I, I just want to add one more thing. I was talking about how proud I was of these guys. And here's another reason I want to explain why why I was so proud. We were down 13 to nothing at halftime, guys. Our defense gave up. I mean, not their defense gave up a lot, but they gave up 13 points. And our offense just was not moving the ball at all. And this felt like one of those games where the wheels could have came off really easily in that second half. Yeah. I mean, if this game, after, if you'd have told me at halftime when they were up 13 to nothing that we'd end up losing this game like 56 to nothing, I'd probably have been like, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. And, and well, it didn't. They didn't. They came out and they fought their asses off, and it was awesome. It, it, I, and, and I guess as we're wrapping up the recap, I guess we got to hit special teams because we talked about the offensive line. To me, that was impressive. How about our punting game? Um, I mean, I mean, for a unit that has been, you know, absolute dog shit for the year, the fact that we had four punts and we averaged 44, 47.5 yards a punt, that is a really good day of the office. Um, you know, I, I, it just, it, I guess kind of putting a bow on this, it just sucks because I know we're going to get one of these games. I know we're going to get one. But at the end of this season, it just it would be nice to be like, we should have gotten one, more than one of those games. And it just it sucks to leave this one on the board because the crowd wanted it. The crowd wanted this game so bad, and they deserved it. Yeah. Well, to, to, to add to special teams, let's not, let's not forget how great coverage units were, too. Like, man, they, they, I mean, they, they had three return punt or uh, kickoffs on us. We only had two touchbacks. 
and they only averaged 19 yards per kickoff return. So we were holding them back to about 20-yard line, and that was that was the area we were really concerned about because this wasn't a team that was just average at special teams, especially in the in the return units. They were pretty good. They were top 25 in uh, in both punt return yards and kickoff yards, or kick return yards. And we did a really good job of stopping them. There was that one punt. I, I uh, Justin, me and you had talked about this, where uh, uh, we, we we punted the ball to them, and it was, you thought maybe it was kind of a blunder because we oh, should have yeah. maybe put. I think it was we should have. It was first the very punt. first punt, and yeah. it ended up being a touchback, and it kind of looked like we probably should have downed it inside the five. Uh, but the very next time that uh, we punted. It looked returnable, and I was like, oh, shit. And I think the guy ended up with, like, a negative two-yard punt uh, return. Yeah. Because he, he, t- he turned around and tried to make something out of nothing, and we, and we, and we did. I mean, the coverage was much better, much better in this game. All right. Well, let's move on to Minnesota here. Uh, we got five games left. We need to win three of these to become bowl eligible. This is a very winnable game. It's at Minnesota, 11 a.m. kickoff. Uh, we're three and a half point favorites. Now Minnesota, they've been uh, giving it to us uh, the last couple of years. Uh, they're a sneaky team. I don't know what. I don't think anybody knows what kind of team that they have this year. You know, they're dropping games to uh, Bowling Green, beating the shit out of Colorado. I, you know, they're they're all over the place. Uh, they've lost uh, both their top running backs. We find out this week that Trey Potts, their uh, the running back that replaced Ibrahim, he's gone for a season-ending uh, injury. Could be career-threatening, apparently. So I, I don't know what kind of injury it is, but it sounds pretty darn bad. Uh, he was a great running back. So I, I don't know who's going to be playing running back. We don't know what to expect from him. I say all that to say this. Tyler. It's your job. What do we expect to see from Minnesota? Well, I think that when you look at Minnesota, this team is led by their offensive line on offense. And Mo Ibrahim, we really kind of lost over him being injured. I mean, Walker has kind of emerged as the best running back in the Big Ten out of Michigan State. But Mo Ibrahim had that title before then. And Minnesota comes in this game with a pretty good rushing offense, averaging 192 games yards a game uh, for 39th in the country. But really where this Minnesota team has shocked me this season is their defense. And I will say a lot of these stats are very skewed because of that Colorado game, but they come in with the number five ranked rushing defense. So it does appear that Nebraska may have trouble running the ball against them. However, as we get into this matchup, I don't think they faced a team that can run the ball near what Nebraska can do. Um, so it's interesting um, to see from Minnesota this matchup. Derek, what are your thoughts on this game? All right. Well, first off, I want to talk about these running backs a little bit more. Uh, Tyler, you talk about their offensive line. I know I'm usually a big proponent for next man up. As long as your offensive line's running good, any running back can run the ball. Man, they're missing 700 rushing yards out of Mo Ibrahim and Trey Potts. 700 yards gone. Uh, their next man up has only had 25 carries for 112 yards. And the guy behind him has only had seven carries. 
they have one touchdown between the two of them. Uh, man, I it's going to be tough to get these running backs going, I think, uh, especially against our defense. Uh, my, my concern's Tanner Morgan a little bit. And I, and I know Tyler's going to shake his head. And, Tyler, and, and I'm going to explain this, and this is why. Tanner Morgan doesn't play well throughout the season of any given season. Like, he's had one good season where he passed 66% of his passes for 3,253 yards, 30 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. Outside of that, in 2018, he only had 1,400 yards, nine touchdowns, and six interceptions. In 2020, uh, 1,374. I know it was kind of a short year, but seven touchdowns and five interceptions. Then four and two so far this year. But the problem is he always plays well against Nebraska. And shake your head, Tyler, all you want. Uh, Man, he came in and almost brought Minnesota back into the game in 2018 when we were destroying them. And they took Zach Annexted out. And he threw for almost 70% 70 of his passes, 214 yards. He did have an interception. Uh, He's done well against us. He's thrown 62% of his passes throughout his career against Nebraska. And he just, he plays well. And, and, and the problem is the people that have, the other people that have hurt us throughout the years have been Mo Ibrahim, who has had a career and a half against Nebraska. Uh, that dude's got over 200 yards. He's got uh, seven touchdowns against us and over 200 yards rushing. That guy's killed us in the past. And without him, it makes you a little scared. Uh, but so Tanner Morgan is the only thing that's really that really that they have left that's hurt Nebraska in the past. So, Tyler, so I think you I think you have to watch him still. Like I, I he he still scares me against Nebraska. So Tyler, why why do you suppose that uh, PJ Fleck and Tanner Morgan has been owning Nebraska the last two years? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with that running game um, because let's look at the last couple of years. So yes. In 2019, Minnesota took Nebraska by the woodshed. But Tanner Morgan in that game went 8 for 13 for 128 yards. Last year, they, they eked out a victory, a game that we should have won. We have, we've talked about this in length. He went 17 for 30 for 181 yards. He has not thrown for 200 yards in two straight years against Nebraska as the full-time starter. So Tanner Morgan... I'm going to be very careful about this because I'm going to contradict myself. He has not owned Nebraska. Minnesota has owned Nebraska. Tanner Morgan has not played particularly well this year. However, I do think this could be a game coming off of a bye week, knowing that they need to throw the ball, knowing that Nebraska's pass defense kind of had their worst showing of the season. I I don't know if they're a little worn down from having to play, you know, at the time six games, now seven games. I do think Tanner Morgan can have success, but the the adage that Tanner Morgan has owned Nebraska just factually false. I said PJ Fleck too. Well, I, and I'm not saying he's owned us, but he's had some of his best games against Nebraska. Like it's not, it's outside outside of one year. It's not like he has some great stats that make him look like a great quarterback. But he just but he makes does, plays. He, does, he makes plays he, when he needs to. He does, and he does well against Nebraska. He's had maybe he's not the best quarterback we've ever faced. Maybe he's not the worst quarterback that's ever tore us up. But 
he's done well against Nebraska. He's had pretty good success against Nebraska. He's won. And, and, the, and, and the running backs have, too. I mean, Mo Ibrahim has been a killer. So, I mean, Rod, I mean, 2019, it was Rodney, Rodney Smith had 139 yards rushing. Shannon Brooks had 99 yards rushing against us. And he was third on the list with 84 yards rushing. I mean, we, or that running game that, that, that year destroyed us. We had no answer for it. But Mo Ibrahim had three of his touchdowns in that one game in 2019. And so I, I think missing him is going to be a bigger deal probably than anything. And, Tyler, you talk about their run defense, but you know what's not so good? Their pass defense. It's still, I mean, middle of the park, middle of the road, bat best, or 71st in the country in pass defense. And with the way Adrian Martinez has been throwing the ball, I mean, I, I like our chances to have some good success against them. Tyler? Well, no, I, I completely agree. I think this is going to be a game that uh, Adrian Martinez may have his best game of the season on Saturday. That's kind of my hot take. I think that when you look at the end of this, he'll be have his best game of the season on Saturday. Um, I think he'll be able to throw all over this team. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree with Derek. I, and I, again, the, the intriguing thing about this matchup to me, I think where this comes down to is, yes, there, there is no doubt about it that they're going to be missing Abraham and Potts. I, I do, I think that when it comes to running the ball, they're going to find success with Marquise Irving, um, the true freshman. I think he's a true freshman. I can't really tell anymore with freshmen, but um, even though he hasn't had success, he's still in his limited carries. Has averaged four and a half yards a carry. Um, you know, he still has had enough success running the ball. And again, I think their wide receiver core wasn't early to start the year. Um, now, Dylan Wright uh, didn't play against, uh, hasn't played for a couple weeks, has been injured, but it seems like he's in, uh, healthy now. Chris Bell missed the first couple games, has played back-to-back games. All signs point to their wide receivers finally being fully healthy. Um, so you're going to have Tanner Morgan with his full complement of weapons at wide receiver. I, I do think Minnesota does find some some success uh, throwing the ball on or moving the ball. I guess not even that. I think they'll run the ball fine. I think Nebraska's defense is going to have their work cut out for them on Saturday. Derek, does it worry you that this game is on the road? Uh, a little bit, yes. But ultimately, at the end of the day, no. Because I don't think Minnesota's that great. Do you, I, I want to go back to this. Uh, we talk, t- Let's talk about the teams that Minnesota's faced. We talk about how good their defense looks. But outside of probably Ohio State, they haven't faced a great offense. And they're facing uh, number 18 rushing offense, the number 38 passing defense or offense, the 18th best pass efficiency offense, the 13th best total offense, and, I mean, 48th in, in scoring offense, but we're, we're scoring almost 32 points a game. Uh, outside Ohio State, they played Miami, Ohio, Colorado, who hasn't scored much, uh, Bowling Green, who hasn't scored much, and even Purdue is only averaging 23 points a game. I mean, we, when we think Purdue, we think high-scoring offense, but damn, they've only they're a third, 23 points a game. That's all they're averaging. Uh, so I, I think this is uh, probably, outside of Ohio State, probably the most potent offense they've faced. 
Well, and I think that you go a little bit more into their defense, Derek. I mean, you talk about their opponents. I mean, again, all of their stats are driven off of Colorado. Like, like going into those numbers. It's not, it's, it, it's not all Colorado. I mean, Colorado has a lot to do with it. All right, let, Bowling let, Green let, had let a me, lot to do with it, too. Okay, Bowling like, Green helped. They, let, <laughs> let me give you the numbers. Ohio State had 495 yards. Purdue, 448 yards. Hell, Miami of Ohio had 341 yards against them. And, yes, Bowling Green only had 192, but 63 against Colorado. A negative 19 yards rushing. Like, that 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 it with five games in the season like that that is the factor right that that is skewing the stats um you know purdue in a very rainy game had a lot of success throwing the ball with the david bell not a hundred percent um i don't know who their starting quarterback is at purdue anymore i mean it used to be Plummer. i didn't think he was playing bad but they benched him um for that minnesota game i don't really understand so it like uh carrollton right yeah and so I don't know what's going on there, but I, I, at all things considered, I, again, I don't, I think that their offense is going to be better than their stats show. I think their defense is not as good as their stats show. But what I will say about their offense is I say their offense hasn't been great for what the stats have shown. Well, when you look at the teams in the Big Ten they have played, if you're stack ranking defenses, in the Big Ten, Ohio State and Purdue are definitely both on the bottom half of that 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 tier system. Not bad defenses. Certainly not Northwestern bad, but they're not elite defenses that they've had to play. I it, this is going to be an interesting matchup. All right, I don't know what name I just uh, spit out there for the Purdue quarterback, but it was definitely wrong. It's O'Connell. I think I said Carrollton. It's O'Connell. <laughs> Oh, Aiden O'Connell, yeah. 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 I knew that didn't who's sound had, right when I said who, that. I who's like, had, That's not right. Who's had pretty good success against Nebraska himself. Yeah. Um, a few other stats I kind of want to throw out here that I, that I found kind of interesting. And some of it has to do with uh, uh, a number of games played here. But uh, Nebraska's the number one te- offensive team for first downs. In the country with 163 first downs. Now, I think we've played more games than pretty much at least most teams with playing that week zero game. But Minnesota's 124th in that stat. But defensively, they only give up 83 first downs, and they're 12th in the country. So you're going to see a, a, a good matchup here of can Nebraska continue to move the ball against a defense that doesn't give up a lot of first downs? So, Derek, just uh, to keep rolling with this, uh, what are your keys to the game for Nebraska? Uh, I I think the keys to this game are going to go back to maintaining possession of the football and, and having long, sustained drives. Because I think what we've proven more than anything is that when we score too fast, our defense tends to wear down. And so I, I think we have to have long, sustained drives. We have to finish drives, uh, and it, this is a good, this is a good team to do it against. It, it's it's a team that doesn't let you do that very often. But when you so you have to be able to do it though. Tyler, what are your keys to the game for Nebraska? I mean, I think there's two main keys. One is going to be our offensive line and how we do uh, against the pass rush. Uh, Boy Moffy, I think I'm saying that name right. Has had, five sa- has had five sacks. Probably not. 
That's fair. <laughs> he, he's had five sacks. Thomas Rush, which is a really good name for a pass rusher, has three and a half sacks this season. I, this secondary we've talked about can be had. If they give Adrian time, I am confident that he can give he can make the plays and throw the ball. And then the other thing is, like Adrian had his first turnover plagued game of the season, if you will, with two, which is not, I guess, the, as bad as we've seen. He he's got to have that fix Saturday. Um, you you can't give him the ball back and forth. Tanner Morgan, while he is four for two on touchdowns and interceptions, I don't think he's going to have a lot of turnovers, or he hasn't had a he hasn't had an interception against Nebraska. So I I mean I don't know if he's going to start throwing it up in the air. Um, had one. Okay, he hasn't had a turnover in his two years of starting against Nebraska. You don't count his uh, mop up duty in twenty eighteen, but. Um, no, I, I I think that the the question is, is is can Adrian protect the ball and can we keep him upright? Yeah, I have the I have the I have the biggest key to the game though. What is it? You, you guys ready for this? Yeah. Can we not have the same referees? That's that's huge. Is there a way you can look that up real quick, Derek? Because I don't know. I I don't know how to check that. No. Okay. Uh, it should be in the game notes that they released. Uh, oh. Anyway. I want to, while uh, you attempt to look at that, I want to throw out my big key here. And that is like jumping out to an early lead and staying. I don't know. I think my uh, smoke alarms are going off. If I run out of here, I guess my house is burning down, okay? (laughs) (laughs) But no, my, uh, uh, my God, I don't know if I should go check on that or not. (laughs) It'll be all right. All right. If, if I hear kids screaming, then I know it's for real. Uh, no, no, my key to the game is you got to jump out to an early lead. You got to stay in the lead because what I fear is you get into the fourth quarter and you're in a one possession game. I mean, I know when I'm sitting at home on my couch, I am not going to feel uh, very comfortable about a one possession game late in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, just seen too much. But if we can stay in the lead, man, that is going to be huge. And don't let off, don't don't take your foot off the gas, man. Just keep on going, just keep on rolling. So I don't know, is huge lead is that overrated in a game like this, especially with Minnesota? No, no, I don't think it is, Justin. I don't think that it's overrated at all. I mean. Now, it could be said it's a little obvious. Get out in the lead and keep the lead is a key to victory. I think that's a obvious thing. But I, I think at the end of the day, like, you're not wrong. Like, what what we don't want to see is this come down to Adrian Martinez having to make something happen with a minute left. Because you know what? We've seen that in four games this season, and we have not had one of those happen. Um, you know, Derek, I know we Justin asked you about being on the road. And and I, I don't know what my feelings are, but you know, it is kind of an emotional point in time for this Nebraska team. I mean, we're playing our seventh straight game. Minnesota's coming off of a bye week. Like I do I do worry if I do worry for a little bit of a breakdown. I I, I really do. I think we really need to get to this bye week and being on the road, like I just 11 a.m. kickoff two being a little bit early like 
I, I do worry if we come out a little bit flat. I don't know if Justin's going to get his wish with an early lead. I, I, I tend to agree with Justin, though. Like, I, I think that is probably important because I, I don't think we want to get into the like you, like you said, we don't want it to get into a last-minute drive trying to win this game. Well, the, I think the reason why you don't is, is like, with them playing a new running back, like, I think that, I think their offensive line can have success. But where you see that really come into play with offensive lines without a great running back is when they have a chance to wear down a defense. If you get up two, if you get up two touchdowns on them and you say, hey, you guys can't run the ball a ton, you have to kind of slow it down a little bit, and you have to throw it a little bit more. That offensive line isn't going to wear down this defense as much as it could if it's a game in the fourth quarter, and now all of a sudden they can keep pounding the rock and just wear us down. Because Minnesota has a mediocre pass protection offensive line. They are exceptional at run blocking, and is completely evident to me in the fact that Potts, who's a guy I had never heard of before this season, came in and looked like he was one of the all-conference running backs. No, I get it. I just think, uh, man, it's, it's tough to replace your set. When, when your backup running back is the one you having to replace, when you come in with your third-string running back, I think it makes it a little tougher. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and again, Minnesota, like, I think that Abraham was special, and I think that he's been overshadowed how good he was, but... Yeah, I think at the end of the day, I I don't know. Like this game scares me for our defense. It it really does. I think it it would not shock me to see our defense get had a little bit. I'll I'll say this about our defense. This is a this is a game I feel our defense should come out as fired up as they have been all year. Because of all the ridicule they took for last year and how they got manhandled last year against a team that were missing 30 players. And I, to me, this was one of those games where I felt a lot of these super seniors wanted to come back and get a little redemption. Oh, I agree, Derek. I think that this is a game. I mean, I go, I go back to Cam Taylor Britt. Like, so we kind of gloss over him in the uh, Michigan recap, but he just played his best game of the season. Cam Taylor Britt yeah. played exceptional against Michigan. And last year against Minnesota, like, like, we lost that game, but the the turning play in that game is still like glued in my mind. When we were about to hold targeting them, call. that the targeting call that Cam Taylor Britt got called on and got ejected, and you know if that play doesn't happen, it's one of those plays. I'm convinced that we end up winning the game. They we, they end up scoring a touchdown once we got that targeting call. They would have been off the field in, or they would have been kicking a field goal instead of a touchdown. Um, yeah, I mean that targeting call was huge. And I, I think he's coming off of his best game. Hopefully he's kind of, I feel like he was trying to press too much. Hopefully he's letting the game gum to him a little bit more now. And he comes into Minnesota. I, I expect him to have a really big game. I, I agree. I I expect I expect the whole defense to have a good game, though. Like, I, I, I'm expecting that defensive line to have a good day. I expect Henrik and, and Reimer to just tear it up. Like, Heinrich might be coming off his best game. Yeah. Dude had 15 tackles. 15. I I know most of them were assisted, but he was all over the field in that game. Uh, Luke Reimer's been tearing it up all year. 
Uh, I, I just I, I expect a lot out of this defense, and I, I, I'm not convinced Minnesota's offense is very good right now. No, I mean the the I mean again they're great at running the ball. I mean I mean and again it's interesting because I think I I perceive Minnesota as a better running team than Nebraska, but the stats don't back that up. So, no, and they've and they've played fa- they have faced far less talent than we have faced defensively. I mean I that's that's probably true. I mean I would argue that um, and we, we've still we still have them be statistically pretty decent on running the ball. I mean, I would argue though that the only real defense Nebraska has played is um is Michigan. Now I and this could be the second best defense that we've played all year. Um what one of the stats we haven't really got into is special teams. And obviously we've talked about Nebraska's struggles, but Minnesota is six for nine in field goals. Um they're not great. They've missed an extra point they they've been pretty bad with uh punting as well. Um you know, th- this is probably and, and I, the first game of the season that Nebraska isn't getting manhandled by special teams matchup. So, let me ask you this and this this is uh I want just stupid question here, but so Nebraska ranks 121st at net punting with 30 at 35.08 yards per punt. Now, this is after two games that we've averaged 84 yards a punt, which we only have one punt, I get it. And now we averaged, uh, I think it was 47 yards a punt. I mean, how much more do we have to do to get this average up? Because it still looks like garbage. Well, hopefully we don't. I'm hoping we don't punt much on Saturday, and <laughs> and I don't expect us to. I don't think we're going to punt a lot on Saturday. So we're probably going to go into our bye week with still being one of the worst teams in the country in punting, hope, hopefully, because yeah. we don't get a chance. And, and, and that's part of my reasoning that we have to come up with sustained drives, too, is the fact that we're going to have to score. I don't, I don't think there's going to be a lot of possessions. I don't, it's going to be like that, a little bit like that Oklahoma game where neither team is going to have a lot of possessions. So you're going to have to be able to score on the, on the chances that you have. So, so I'm going to ask Justin a question because he's been quiet for a minute. So, Justin, right now, I think when you looked at what we expected of Minnesota heading into the year, we expected their offense probably to be better than they are. Um, and we probably expected their defense not to be as good as they are. Right. So they are, they're, they are hitting their bye week. They're hitting their proverbial midpoint in the season, even though they've only played five games. So if I was going to tell you one of those things are going to go back to what you thought of the season before the season, either their offense is going to improve or their defense is going to recede. Which one do you think is more likely to happen? So had Trey Potts not gotten injured, I would have been all over the offense right now. I don't know what that offense is going to look like in the run game without him. Uh, It seems like Minnesota always puts out, a uh, good running back. Uh, their offensive line makes all these running backs look good. We thought it was going to be doom and gloom when Abraham, when he was out for the year, Trey Potts came in, he looked good. Maybe this guy that's coming in for him, maybe there's no drop-off. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked there. I would be shocked if the defense, uh, well, I would be expect the defense to take a step back because, I really uh, like Nebraska's offense in this matchup. 
I think I, I think we can really uh, move the ball well on them. Uh, I so yeah, I'd just say their defense would probably recede. Uh, I guess more than their offense. I, I just don't see their offense picking up steam here. So I guess hey, Derek, so. what about you? I'll ask you the same question. I I would easily go with defense recedes because again I don't think outside of Ohio State they faced a good offense. So I I'll put this way I I tend to agree with you and I think we're kind of all aligned what Nebraska's offense is going to do. So our offense I I think you know if I was thinking about us right now our offense is playing a lot better than I thought it was going to play, and one of the reasons why and I think it's kind of hitting full circle is I think we're probably a bitch and a half the game plan for. Because, like, you have the option. You have the way we've utilized the the running back in the past game. We've done all these wheel routes. We've gotten the tight end involved. We've done a lot of unique packages each game. It seems like we have a little bit different scheme and a little bit different wrinkle. Like, if I'm P.J. Fleck and that team, I'm like, what the hell do I try to stop? Because, like, it used to be you stop Adrian, you can stop this offense. But... I mean, he hasn't been tearing. He didn't tear up Minnesota or Northwestern on the ground. He certainly didn't tear up Michigan on the ground. But we moved the ball very well in both of those games. Like, I don't think. I think we're kind of getting past the whole. We're an Adrian Martinez running, running back offense. Well, like, as we get into the score predictions here, uh, the line on the game is three and a half. Nebraska's favored by three and a half. Does that surprise you, Derek? <sighs> A little bit, yeah. Because I, I seems to me, I I think it's because it's on the road, and Nebraska hasn't fared well on the road. And I think Vegas has taken that into consideration. But because if this was in Lincoln, I think we're f- probably double digit favorites. Hmm. Tyler, what do you think? I, I I thought it'd be closer to a touchdown. I thought it'd be closer to a touchdown. I again, and 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 I feel like we're kind of tilting our hand like Minnesota could beat us on Saturday. Like it wouldn't like, this is not this, if Minnesota beat us, this isn't Illinois beating us to start the year. That, that was shocking. Like Minnesota. I, I think there is just a big unknown with what Minnesota is at this point. Cause their yeah. defense has looked better. You kind of expect their offense to get better. Um, You, you just think Tanner Morgan's eventually going to have a little bit more success than he's had. I mean, people had him as a all-conference caliber quarterback, and he's played nowhere near that. Um, I, yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I know people hate talking about this, and they hate alluding to the fact that last year when Minnesota uh, limped into Lincoln and they were down thirty for COVID or whatever reason that they had, and we just we looked like shit. Uh, I. Maybe that's a possibility. I don't see it that way. I don't. I don't. I don't see it that way. But you know what? You're right. It could happen. We we haven't looked great uh, against Minnesota. It's, it's kind of like you know. I, I always like to point to the very first game of the year. Scott Frost's teams they don't look well prepared headed into that game. They seem to drop a turd. That happened this year. Minnesota. Minnesota seems to have our number for whatever reason. On paper, it looks like it should be a mismatch. Like for me, I mean, I think you bet Nebraska all the way in this game. You bet them 
big. But I, I did. I disagree with you there. That that Minnesota just has our number. Like for the last two years, they have for the last two years. But let's not remember twenty nineteen was the best season they've had and the best team that they've had in their in all of Minnesota time. Pretty much, they had never won eleven wins all in their history. That's fine. That's fine. I, I get it. I'm just saying the last two I'll, years. I'll give you last year. I'll give you last year. But I mean. And then you look at 2018 and we destroyed them. Like, so, so I really, it's one year that I think they've owned, they kind of owned us. I, I don't, I don't agree that they, they over the last three years have owned us. I, I don't know if I said last three years. I, I thought I said last two years. If I said well, three, I, I, I will say mistaken. that the Minnesota game to me until Illinois this year took them out going into the season. When I looked at the Mount Rushmore of the worst Scott Frost losses, two of those spots, were owned by Minnesota. I think the last two years, I think the, I think the the this year's Illinois game probably bumps uh, one of those games out of the out of the Mount Rushmore of worst losses for Frost. But point is, it's we were been double bad. digit favorites last year. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I I but but what I will say though, and this is where I think this team is different. Like there have been a lot of emotional letdowns. And maybe this is maybe this is the finally the one that breaks Nebraska. But like you could have said that after the Oklahoma game, you could have said it after Illinois, you could have said it after Michigan State. Like this team isn't going to show up, and this team does, and this team has. And I think you're to the point now that you expect this team to to keep playing at near the same level. And I just think if we're at near at that same level. I, I just don't think Minnesota is built to compete with us. All right, Derek. Right, I, I just want to ask you guys one question, and it it's going to pertain to title. You're talking about change, and you're talking about uh, earlier. You're talking about how good our offense has been this year. Uh, I, I, here's my question for you guys: What do you credit that to? Is Scott Frost getting better at play calling, or is Matt Lubick getting? Is he really that much more involved, and is his play calling that much better? I don't have a thought on that. I I I would say. I mean, I I don't know who's actually calling the plays. I would say that they're generally scheming a hell of a lot better than they have in the past. And I, so, I'd be really curious. I'd be really curious to know who a college football professor is crediting play calling to this. Well, I think Scott Frost is calling the plays. I think he's made it known that he's calling majority of the plays. And 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 again, I'm not. I mean, I think that, but again, I think that, I think last week it was a, like, just a really great example. We kind of glossed over it. Like, the first half they had one kind of game plan, and the second half they came out with a really different game plan and got the tight ends more involved. They put the running back on wheel routes. I mean, we haven't targeted the running back. We'd have games this season we didn't target the running back, and Ramir Johnson went over 100 yards receiving. Like, I, I, I just... I think that he is largely. I mean, it last year that, it was every third down, every third and down, it was a quarterback draw. Every single that's one. What, that's what's making this offense so dynamic to me this year is you you can't shut one guy down. Like it seems like Samori Tori is our go to guy. It seems like that's the guy you need to shut down. But every time you start shutting him down. Another receiver comes out, or a running back comes out, or some, some somebody's coming up, 
And to me, I think that's what we've all been clamoring for for the last three or four years. This is what we wanted to see. Well, we wanted to see more playmakers. We wanted to see more people involved. And that's and that's what we're getting finally. Well, and I think the, some of that has to go with Adrian's legs. I mean, we, we've seen teams start to spy Adrian more. And that's kind of limited his running ability. But when you spy a quarterback, what that does, it takes one guy out of pass rush or it takes one guy out of pass protection. And, I mean, it's simple numbers. And you start getting running backs that leak out of the backfield. You start having things like that happen. Like, and the offensive line actually can block the four or five rushers. Like, you start looking at that. You really, I mean, if you rush five and you have one spy, that leaves five guys out there. I mean, that's not a lot of over-the-top protection. That's not a lot of that. You're pretty much having to zone or man, and that's leaving a lot of wide-open spots. Again, I think, you know, Justin talked about this, and I've kind of mocked him on the downfield passing attack, but, I mean, I think at this point in the season, like, you you have to respect the deep ball. You have to respect Nebraska going deep, and it's just, what do you give up? Do you have the safeties over the top, or do you have the spy? Because that's what you're really, or do you rush three but, people? Like those but are your options. The, here, here's the thing to me. Here's here's what's changed so much for me this year it is a fact is a fact that we're running the option, not not the RPO, not that crap option that they were running before. I mean, they're running like a true. It's a little modernized, but it's a true option. It, it's a triple option, you know. I mean, it's, instead of having a fullback, we just have a, a wide receiver motion back to the backfield. What so 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 be it, I guess, but. I think that wrinkle has really made defenses think twice about what they're going to do against us. And it's, and it is causing more spies, not just because of Adrian Martinez's legs, but because of the option as well. All right. You guys ready to do some score predictions? Let's right. do it. Uh, Tyler, you're first. What's your score prediction for Nebraska at Minnesota? Yeah, I think that the, 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 my best bet of the weekend is the over in this game. I think Minnesota does get a little bit coming. I think our our defense really needs this bye week. I think Minnesota's offense does kind of find it, even with a third-string running back. Um, I think that Adrian Martinez plays the best game of his season. I think that he throws, my, my bold prediction, I think he throws for 300 yards and runs for 100. I think he just, wow. uh, I think he owns Minnesota this week. I got Nebraska 37, Minnesota 28. So you're looking at a, maybe a 550-yard day for uh, the offense, huh? Yeah. I, I, I think I, – and I wouldn't be shocked to see Ramir go for 100. I, I, I really do. I think that we I, – I would not be shocked at all to see a 550-yard, 535-yard game for Nebraska. Wow, that's I guess, uh, that's bold. I guess that is bold against the fifth best rushing defense in the country. That is very bold. Uh, I I don't see this game. I, I, I'm gonna start off with this. I think the halftime score is something like ten seven Nebraska. I think it's a very low scoring affair. I think you see a lot of defense. Uh, second half, I think Minnesota's defense starts getting worn down a little bit. Uh, I, and I think our defense continues to do what they've been doing outside of the Michigan game, and I think they continue to shut Minnesota down. I, I, I have this game not even really that close by the end of it. I have Nebraska winning thirty-one to seven. 
31-7. Wow, that's a big defensive uh, stand there for Nebraska. Uh, yeah, I, I think in this game, I think Nebraska, they will jump out early. They need to jump out early. Uh, they need to keep the gas on the pedal, like I alluded to earlier. What I don't want to see is a one-score game in the fourth quarters, but and I don't really envision that. Not with this Minnesota team. I think they're completely outclassed. Uh, it's not going to be. They're not going to be as outclassed as what Northwestern was. But I think we have better athletes on both sides of the ball. Uh, so I think we cruise to a comfortable thirty-one seventeen win. So all of us have Nebraska so, winning. That's great. So 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 I will say this: Minnesota does have a tendency to play up to their competition. Or down to it, depending on who they're playing. Um, so, I'm, I don't know if I'm shocked that we all had Nebraska winning this game. Um, but a little bit surprised. I mean, I, I would have been shocked to see Justin go Minnesota in this game. I, I don't see it this year. Uh, you know, even Justin, if what was your score prediction? 31-17. Do I even have the closest Trey game? Potts, I have the yeah. closest game. I don't think they're going to score a lot of points against our defense. I really don't. Now, maybe that would be different if Trey Potts would be healthy, but that's a huge unknown. I think Tanner Morgan's struggling this year. I think the unknown at running back makes it going to be – it's going to be tough to run against us because this guy – I I almost feel bad for the guy that's going to have to run against us. I'm assuming it's Marquise Irving. I I, I can only assume. Uh, but, But I almost feel bad for the guy, like, we have faced some top-notch running backs and found a way to shut most of them down. God, don't say anything that's uh, going to be a jinx for this game because, you know, you get called out on, on the podcast for saying something like that. Look, look, look it, it would not shock me one bit if this guy comes out and has a 100-yard game against us either. But at the end of the day, I just – again, I, I, I Justin, I, I know you hate this. I know you didn't get a chance to respond to this, but uh, – I just I think this defense I think there's a lot of emphasis on this game from this defense because of the embarrassment they felt last year. Kinda like because Illinois. The, maybe. <laughs> but but I I mean look you can say you could laugh at that, but it's not I do laugh at play. that because I don't think any of that stuff matters. I, I think, I do us think fans it matters. try to make it Think that and, it matters. It, it, it's it's funny to me that you're blaming the defense for that Illinois game. I'm just. It doesn't matter. It's 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 a team effort. It's a team I, effort. I mean, so I I had the take. Last I'm not week. talking about the team. I'm talking about the defense on that in this particular situation. So I had this take last. So I think week. they. I think they'll come in fired up again this game. I, I had do. this take last week, and I just I'll ask it this way: that every game Nebraska had played better and better and better. Like you look at where we started with Illinois to Fordham to Buffalo to Oklahoma to Michigan State. I mean, it, that still holds true, right? I mean, like you you look at Michigan, even though we lost that game, like every game we have probably played a little bit better every single game of the season. I would we disagree played, played, against Michigan, huh? I I would disagree. I, you don't I, think, I would you, say I would say defense probably took a small step back against Michigan. But I would say special teams took a huge step forward. I think our Michigan offense. I, I think our offense is understated with that Michigan because Michigan has a real defense, like a top notch in the Big Ten, top five defense. Like this well, is they not had a f- good quarter and a half. They had a good quarter and a half. 
They did put they up many points half. in the first half. They had a good half. second half. They had a good second half. Yeah, except when it mattered towards they, the the second half or the second half of the fourth quarter. I mean, you had the fumble, and then you had the fumble, and then you had the and you had one possession with fifty Justin, Justin, it was it was three minutes in that fourth quarter, not half. Okay. It was three minutes. It, matter of fact, I think when Adrian Martinez fumbled the ball, it was exactly three minutes yeah. left. All right, game. fine. Three minutes. Okay. I'll give you 27 minutes. It wasn't 60 minutes of good offense in that game. Well, the first drive we drove down and we got inside the spot. I mean, we put up over 400 yards against that Michigan defense. I know you guys love to no, count no, yards no other as good offense had done that. I, I judge it by points on the board. We put up 29 points against Michigan. We did. Which nobody else has done even clo- come close I, I, to. Okay, fine. I'll give you great offense. It wasn't as good as what we've seen. I, get, I think considering the opponent. Well, outside, outside of Fordham North. and Northwestern, it's the most points we've scored all year. Like I'm just saying, we did not get better from Northwestern to this. Huh. All right. I, I I don't know I don't know I think it's I, interesting I, I think that I think that's apples and oranges I mean we played a shit team to a, one of the top yeah. ten team uh, that was my question okay let's get into the games of the week because I right, think uh, we week. have another major uh, announcement here oh I don't know if it's a major announcement I went five and one last week Tyler you did go six and zero oh. that's back to back weeks that you went six and zero oh. uh, how'd I do did I do good no <laughs> no that's why I'm saving you for last. Uh, you went two and four last week. Yeah, uh, yeah you made a lot but of dumb I, picks last week. Well, I made some bold picks last week. That no, I they told were you dumb guys, picks. <laughs> I believe I told you guys I was either going to fall way behind or take a lead on you guys pretty good. I, I'm hoping with the way the picks are going, I, I climb a spot in the rate weekly cousin power rankings. You won't. All right, so I'm 26 and 10 on the year in picks. Tyler, you are second now, 24 and 12. Uh, and Derek is now last, 22 and 14 in his picks. So, games of the week this week number 12, Oklahoma State at number 25, Texas. Uh, Texas, five and a half point favorites. Tyler. I don't understand how Texas is favored in this game. Oklahoma State is quietly having a really good season. Um, they, they've had two back-to-back very impressive victories against K-State and then Baylor. Um, I like Oklahoma State to win this game. Derek? Well, I got to try to play some catch-up. I'm going to go Texas. And you would be on the right side because I have Texas also in this game. Uh, I tell you what, that was one of the biggest kick in the balls for Texas fans last week. You're up 28-7 against Oklahoma. Texas fans? Screw Texas fans. It hurt my damn gambling account. Hey, yeah. Yeah. I te- yeah, I, I bet Texas in that game also. That looked, that looked like the easiest bet of the weekend. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I have Texas also. Next game, number 11, Kentucky, who's having a really great year with Wandale Robinson. Uh, some people say that Nebraska's wide receiving core would get better without him, but he was a PFF uh, top four receiver last week. Shocker. Uh, anyway, they're playing number one, Georgia. Georgia's 23-point favorites, Tyler. Yeah, I, I Wandell's having a great year. Um, really wish we had him. 
I don't know if uh, I ever said our wide receivers would be better without him. Um, but um, regardless, we're passing for more yards with than with we when we had him. But regardless, is about Kentucky, Georgia. This Kentucky comes back to reality. Like there, there. This is gonna be, I think, an ass kicking of epic proportions. Georgia, I sorry, Wandell. I I hope you make it out of this game alive. If you want to fake an injury so you don't have to play this Georgia team, I will not blame you, Derek. Yeah, let's let's just imagine for a second what this offense would look like with Wandell in it. Like now that we have Samori Torrey and all these other wide receivers. Oh man, this this may be the most unstoppable offense in the country. Oh wait, he doesn't play for Nebraska. Damn it. Hey, uh, we, we'd be five and two with him. Probably. I mean, I Tyler, you kind of scoff at that, but we'll probably uh, anyway. I digress. I digress. I, I uh, George is the real deal, guys. I. I Georgia all the way. I, their defense is too good. I, I can't. I can't pick against them. I have Georgia as well, but I think Kentucky. I think they'll play them a little bit closer than twenty three points. I don't really. All right. Uh, here, here, this is going to be a fun game. Number ten, Michigan State, four and a half point favorites at Indiana. Tyler, I, I actually think this is going to be a close game. I, you know, Indiana has not been good this year. Um, Penix has not looked right. Um, they're coming off of a bye week. I do think the bye week is good timing for them. Um, but, guys, Mel Tucker is Big Ten Coach of the Year. I mean, you might as well mail that trophy to East Lansing now. He has his team playing so well. I I was wrong about him. We were all wrong about him. He is, like... I'm going to steal this segment, but uh, uh, off-season topic is coaches you want to go grab a beer with. And Mel Tucker might be my number one pick there. I would love to hang out with that dude. He, he, I'm I'm, I'm becoming a fan of his. Um, their oh, offense is really good. He smokes. Um, Kevin Thorne is a real deal. Um, uh, Walker is the, the best running back in the Big Ten. I, I, I think Michigan State finds a way. I wouldn't be shocked to see Indiana cover this game, though. I think it's going to be a really tight game. All right, so you got Michigan State. Derek? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I would not hang out with Mel Tucker because I think he hangs out with Kevin Warren. But he is a good coach. <laughs> you wouldn't want to have a beer with uh, Kevin Warren and uh, Mel Tucker? Nah, I'd probably go to jail. <laughs> All right, so you have Michigan State? But I do have Michigan State, yes. All right. Kevin, why did you screw up football for us? What's <laughs> up with baseball, you freaking idiot? All right, number 19, BYU. Who'd you pick, Justin? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I have Michigan State. D- yeah. Do you guys think it's going to be a good game? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for I, this I think, game. I think it'll be a good game, but if I was to bet, I would take Michigan State. I probably would, but, I mean, yeah. One possession game, man. It, it should be fun. Number 19, BYU at Baylor. Uh, minus six. Tyler. Yeah, I, another game that I actually really like this weekend. I mean, this is not a really sexy matchup uh, or weekend of football games. Not a lot of top-tier matchups. But I think there's going to be a lot of really fun football, and I think this is one of those games. Um, I You know, I, I can't say I've watched a lot of BYU, but what I've seen from the highlights and the sports center, I think they're playing pretty good football. I'm just not Except sold on week. Baylor. I'm just not sold on Baylor right now. I think they they are a little bit overrated. Um, I'm going to go BYU uh, winning this game. 
I take okay. Well, all right, Derek. I'm sorry. What's uh, your pick? You you know, if you'd asked me this a week ago, I probably would have taken BYU. But after that Boise State game and seeing Thank them you. getting manhandled, yeah, I, I gotta go with the Waco Wackos here. Uh, I th- I think old Baylor finds a way to win this game. Yeah, Tyler, did you not see any of that game last week? BYU and I was at a casino at, at that point, which, by the way, why do casinos not have the boxing fights? Anyway, different conversation for a different uh, that, day. That was fun. I watched that. Anyway, I bet BYU last week. I thought they. I think they were six point favorites over uh, Boise State, and they shit the bed. They shit the bed. Baylor. I tell you what, they are a fun team this year. Uh, last week, you know. They've been running the ball really well. Last week, they got it done through the air. I didn't think that they could do it that well, but yeah, Baylor covers this game easy. Uh, I'd like to go to this game, actually. Uh, Auburn at number 17, Arkansas. Arkansas is three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, Tyler. You know, again, I, I... Auburn to me, I mean, I've watched Auburn play a little bit. I've watched Arkansas play a little bit. To me, this looks, I'm shocked it's this close. I think that Arkansas has looked way better this season than uh, than Auburn. And I will say this, I respect the hell out of what Arkansas did against Ole Miss. The fact that they had a chance to take the game, they could have taken it to overtime, but they played for the win. They went for that two-point conversion. I think that's going to mean something to these players that the coach believed in them. I think they come out fired up. I actually, I, I don't know if it'll be a blowout, but I think it's going to be a, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Arkansas definitely covers this game and rolls away with it. Eric. I'm going to go the other way with it. I, I think Arkansas started off like shooting out of a cannon, but man, they lost the last two games. I don't know where their mindset's at. I, I don't think Auburn's, great but i don't think they're a garbage team either i think auburn still probably has more talent so i'm gonna go with auburn in this game i'm I'm going with arkansas what they showed against mississippi uh last week and what a great weekend of football last saturday was i mean that was just top-notch football this you know arkansas will miss what a fun game that was i mean that's like an arena football score (laughs) i mean it was it was fun uh, but I have Arkansas, uh, mainly because that's who I'll be rooting for, and I hate Auburn. Uh, all right. Uh, anything else, guys, before we check out of here? No? All right. Well, let's uh, get those Huskers. Let's get a big win. Uh, we're due to talk about a win on the podcast, so let's do that next week. Uh, special thanks to our producer, Connor Russell, for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter, at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, and don't forget to rate and review. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening, and as always, go Big Red.